What's going on, everybody? Hope everybody's having a good Saturday afternoon. Welcome, everybody, to the Loro Antonio Sports Talk podcast show with NBA, NFL, MLB, all things. I'm your host, Loro Antonio, and Will Hedges is with me to talk about those things, what we're going to talk about today. So, Will, how are you doing today, man? Just fine, man. Just fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, let's start off with the NBA episode, and let's do a recap of the of game one of the 2019 NBA Finals. So, what were your thoughts on, on game one of the 2019 NBA Finals? Well, uh, uh, Pascal Siakim showed up, that's for sure. Uh, you know, he disappeared a little in the last series against the Bucks, but came up through when I needed him, and he definitely showed up today, uh, that day. And, of course, Kawhi was there. But uh, also, Mark Gasol played really well. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we all knew Steph was going to play good. But after him, the rest of his te- Warrior teammates, they just – they were okay. But, you know, I, I'm kind of glad Toronto got a win just because I, I, so many people were saying that Golden State was going to sweep them. And I said, I, I, I feel like Toronto could get at least one or two wins, especially since KD is out and Cousins is slowly getting back in. So – it's. I think it was a good thing that Toronto won because you want a competitive championship series. Absolutely. So that being said, let's preview games. To let's pick, let's do our picks to win it all. I say the Raptors in seven. I think the ultimate factor is if K, how KD is if he comes back. If uh, if KD is not able to come back, then yeah, Toronto has a very very good chance of winning it. If KD does come back. Anything could happen because he he's one of those transient players that can totally impact a series. It's not like one of your top backups or a, star, a regular starter. He's a top three player in the league. Uh, and I also think it depends if Toronto can keep this momentum up. You know, that this is their first ever finals appearance. They've never been here before. Uh, they they don't have the experience, but, you know, they made a good, strong first showing and Honestly, it, it's anybody's series, so I think it can go either way. It could go either way, that's for sure, man. So let's preview games two, three, and four of the NBA Finals. <coughs> so I, I say the Raptors. Uh, I say the Raptors. Uh, win, I say the Raptors win game two, and then I think the Warriors win game win game take games three and four to even up this series. That seems likely because I think they said Durant, if he's able to come back, will be back by game three uh, because they have a lot of rest in between each game. And that's when they were looking at him being ready. So if that's the case, then most likely it will be a tie series after four games. So now let's talk about now um, the Lakers. So you think the Lakers will trade the number four pick or keep it? Oh. Honestly, I it, it, it's a really touchy area because you have a small window with LeBron because obviously he's only got a few good years left in him when he can still play as a top three player in the league. Uh, so do you do you think you'll get a guy at four that can come in and help right away, or do you trade the four pick for a guy who can come in right away and make sure you make the most of that window with LeBron? So I I think. I would probably trade the pick, but I don't know how Lakers management is thinking. There, there's been a lot of craziness there, so anything can happen. But I, if you want so, to find someone who can come in right away that's already proven, that's already 
been a veteran in the league for at least a good two, three years, a young superstar, I'd go for it. Maybe. I may think so. So with that being said, um, if the Lakers keep the pick, I say Cam Reddish will be the pick for the Lakers. Yeah, uh, he's mocked at that position. Uh, Reddish, he's he just actually had a small minor surgery, but I think they said he'll be ready to go for the summer league. So it shouldn't be a factor when the season starts. And Cam Reddish is one of those, you know, Duke freshmen uh, <laughs> that's that are going to come in and make an impact. So if they get him, that that's a good player. He he could definitely be a a, a good youth a shock of youth that'll help uh, maybe uh, fix some missing pieces that were lost last year with the. Uh, when the Lakers realized that with all their injuries, they needed more depth. And uh, Reddish is definitely a good guy to help uh, make sure that doesn't happen again if there's injuries again. Or shooting, you know? Yeah, because there were times where the Lakers were very stagnant with their shooting, especially free throws and uh, closing games out in the paint. Absolutely. So that being said, let's. Ha- I have questions for you. Do you think Kawhi <coughs> Leonard will remain a Raptor beyond the season? Kyrie to Brooklyn or New York, KD to Knicks, Wizards or War- or stay in Golden State, Jimmy Buck- Butler to Lakers or the Clippers, or do you see and do you see Chris Paul and Harden getting traded? As far as Kawhi, I think a lot hinges on uh, how things go this championship series because there's been so many conflicting reports all year long about how the Pentagon how they do or. Kawhi likes it there, actually. The fans love him. He's, he's been in a good environment. But at the same time, we all know Kawhi eventually wants to play near or in his hometown of Los Angeles. So if, if he wins a title here, then it might be easier for him to go. Or I don't know. It might be easier for him to stay. It's, it's, it's really tough. Um, I think if he does end up leaving Toronto – He'll go to Los Angeles, but it won't be the Lakers. It'll be the Clippers. And then for KD and Jimmy Butler and Seatman, the question I asked you about, Chris Paul and James Harden. Kyrie, honestly, I could see Kyrie going to a place where he's not the number one guy, uh, where he's more of like the sidekick role because he's – He's been a little iffy when he's been like the number one guy in terms of how to handle things with the media, coming in clutch when he needs to. It's, it, it just seems that he's better suited for uh, to be the number two guy on a team, which is why it works so well with LeBron when they beat the Warriors that year. So honestly, I mean, Kyrie could reunite with LeBron, <laughs> but it, uh, between those two, uh, Brooklyn or the Knicks, I say he only goes to the Knicks if KD goes to the Knicks. Cause that he yeah, that's to answer your question right there about KD. And then for Jimmy Butler, do you see him either landing with either LA team? If I had to pick one, I'd say the Lakers. Even though, just just because like this is hinging on me thinking Kawhi goes to the Clippers, which would mean Butler would be more likely to go to the Lakers. And as far as CP3 and Harden, uh, I did just see that the Rockets are trying to do a trade or put they put Clint Capella on the trade notice and they're trying to do like something with uh, the Mavericks for Capella. If that happens, I don't know if I see them trading Harden and CP3 because, I mean, you lose Capella, then you, you try to trade one of those guys. That that would put them back in a 
in a bit of a cellar because the Rockets are at their best when Paul and Harden are are performing their best. I mean, I maybe they'll think if they get rid of CP3, Austin Rivers could or Harden. I don't think Harden ever get traded. He's unless they got like a team would have to offer them like a, a mega package. Like they would probably make it seem like an Anthony Davis sort of thing uh, with the Lakers le- this past year. Uh, CP3, it would probably be more likely to get traded, and they'd probably say Austin Rivers has a good chance to take that starting spot. But again, it's it's tough because they're already looking at Clint Capella, so I, I don't know if they want to break up their entire big three. I don't think they'll break up their entire big three because I think I think it's better for Chris Paul to remain a rocket. Well, this is this is the, the the team he's had his most success with. Uh, when he was with the Clippers, there were moments when he got hurt, and before that, when he was with the uh, <clears throat> when he was in New Orleans, that he always ran to the Lakers uh, when Kobe was still in his prime. So, this is the the team he's had his best success success with. So, I I I, I wouldn't see why he'd want to go because every year the Rockets are always a top three, top four conference team and make it uh, make make a decent playoff run. Until they run to the Warriors. Oh, absolutely. I mean that that's a good point you have there. So with that being said, let's talk about some NFL stuff. Let's do the Patriots and Cowboys and the <laughs> Patriots first. So question for you is Tom Brady extension coming? And do you can you see the Patriots going sixteen and zero, but at the same time completing the perfect season? Tom Brady will probably get an extension because he does want to play a few more years. And so he's forty five though. He had uh, he and management, uh, they they work well together. They're going to get it done. It's not a huge deal to them. They're just going out there focusing on their business. They don't care about any uh, serious contract woes. Sixteen and zero, they could do it. Because this is one of the, this is they do have a very good team this year. They'd had a really good draft. Um, their schedule isn't terribly tough, but um, I don't know. I I don't know if they want to try to do that again because of the pressure and because of how close they came last time and came up just short. I I, I think it's more likely that they'll finish as a top as a one or two seed with a 12 13 win record and make it all the way to the comp at least the conference title game yeah i think they'll be a super bowl team and then i think tom brady's gonna play until he's 45 well as long as he doesn't get hurt nothing should stop him absolutely so let's let's highlight the game i'm looking forward to seeing in the patriots 2019 schedule i'm looking forward to seeing the patriots play against the chiefs in that epic afc title game rematch their week one game against Pittsburgh, and not to mention, I'm looking forward to seeing the Patriots play the Jets twice in those games, especially on Monday Night Football and seeing Le'Veon Bell play against the Patriots and Sam Donald, you know? Yeah, that Monday Night game is um, at New York is certainly to be crazy, uh, to say the least. I... I if I am looking at the Patriots schedule myself, obviously the Pittsburgh game is big just because it's opening the year and <clears throat> both teams have had opposite off seasons. The Steelers kind of had a a bit of it, a few issues losing arguably two of the top three players in their positions at running back and receiver drama, whereas New England's just been business as usual and uh, 
that should be an interesting clash at the beginning of the year. Then you got later down. I mean, after that Steelers game, they really don't have a tough opponent um, in terms of last year's success till middle of the year. I mean, I'm curious for the Cleveland game just because all the hype Cleveland's getting. Um, me personally, I'd want to see the Patriots win that because I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan of this Cleveland Browns Super Bowl hype because they haven't done anything the last couple of years. I mean, they showed promise last year, but promise doesn't mean anything if you can't uh, deliver the the goods or the pro- or the prospects. So I, I I'm curious for that one, and then I, I really like that four game stretch. Um, after their bye week at Philly, hosting Dallas, at Houston, and at Can- and hosting Kansas, I think that's. I think those four games are going to be New England's toughest stretch, um, where they'll be ta- challenged by four playoff teams that have uh, all had decent success these past couple of years, improving. Okay, that sounds good. So now, all that being said, uh, let's talk about. I think for me, I also look forward to playing against your Dallas Cowboys in week 12. I think that's going to be a great game. It's going to be close, but it's not going to be a blowout, though. The yeah, I, of America's team's <laughs> premise <laughs> I'm hoping it's close, too. I, I have some Patriot fans that are already telling me they're going to win by double digits, and I was like, eh. It's not going to be a double-digit win. I think it's going to be a close win. It's going to be one of those nail-biting wins that the Patriots will survive. Probably. exciting games. I mean, the last time we played at New England, uh, Tom Brady threw a game-winning touchdown pass with, like, 40 seconds left to win. To, Hernan- to Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, so who knows? It'll probably be a game like that. I think it should be a game like that. I think he'll just throw it to Jillian Edelman. Of course. I mean, Edelman is his most clutch receiver that he still has. All the other receivers are – all the other receivers are uh, rookies or uh, fighting for roster depth. Here now, let's talk about some business. Uh, my favorite offseason move for the Patriots was getting Michael Bennett, and my dumbest offseason move was how in the world would the Patriots let Trey Flowers go? He, if without him, our our uh, <coughs> pass rush wouldn't be wouldn't be where it was, you know. But at the same time, I trust Bill Belichick, the genius. Yeah, never and doubt the Belichick. Of football, never doubt him. Uh it was a smart move getting Bennett. Um, I also think it was a smart move, you know, uh, obviously through the, through the draft uh, that was, that was, they filled in some holes. Uh, worst for me, flowers. I could kind of see why it was bad to let him go, but I, 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 I didn't, New England's not a team that I'm, that we see that, likes handing out huge contracts and flowers wanted the, the big mega bucks. So I mean, at the, it, it's one of those things he, 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 he makes a lot of plays that no one notices. He changes the defense, but at the same time, I, I didn't see new England making him a top three, top four paid player in his position. Uh, for me, the, I don't want to say dumbest, but an offseason move I'm questioning is this is one of the best drafts I've seen in recent years in terms of tight end depth. And New England did, and just losing Gronk, New England didn't, you know, get a single tight end in this draft. And they had. So I forgot many... to mention one of my favorite offseason moves for the Patriots was when they also had a reunion with Ben Watson and Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins is probably going to go down as the best offseason move just because of his presence and how he's done in New England in the past. And last time he played with them, he was really damn good. So 
Uh, honestly, yeah, the Watson move helps, but he's not going to be able to play for the first couple games because that PED thing. So it's all up to Lacoste and, AS, and ASJ, which is why I'm saying, uh, you know, even if they didn't get it finished with it, get a roster spot, there were just so many tight ends in this draft this year. I, I felt like New England would have at least gotten one in the middle rounds just to compete and, you know, make a better competition at the uh, training camp. Absolutely. So that being said, let's talk about now. Um, let's talk about the uh, favorite draft picks for the Patriots. I like the Ankeel Harry pick, and I also like Chase Winovich. I'm excited for both of them. But if I had to choose one, um, I'm obviously excited about Ankeel Harry, but I'm more excited about Chase Winovich because he kind of plays like Clay Matthews. And I like the way he plays defense. And I think he's going to be a big part of what we do defensively. And Nikhil Harry, too. I'm excited about him, too, you know. Yeah, but if those, I choose one, I'm going with uh, Chase Winovich. Those two are obviously the headliners because uh, Harry fills that void left behind by Gronk for having a big-bodied receiver in the red zone, and Winovich helps ease the Flowers' departure a little. And he Winovich just seems like the prototypical Patriots Belichick player. So I, I like both, but I'm going to have to go with Winovich as well as the the best draft pick. Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's now let's get let's now talk about now um, the page the offensive and defensive rookies of the year for the Patriots. I, I think it's going to be Sony Michelle, Isaiah Wynn, and and on defense Juwan Williams and uh, Chase Winovich. You're saying rookie, offensive rookies of the year? Yeah, for the team, you know. Oh, uh, Michelle and Wynn were rookies last year. But no, because I meant I, no, I meant. Uh, my offensive rookies of the offensive and defensive rookies of the year for the Patriots. I'm sorry, it's going to be Enkel Harry, uh, Chase, uh, Chase Winovich, and uh, Joan Williams. Yeah, uh, Joan Williams. He was a very, very sneaky, uh, underrated draft pick. Um, he he's already joining a good secondary, so he'll he, the le- the learning curve won't be as hard for him, and he'll he'll be able to come in there. Um, I, I can't see any other – all the other guys that were drafted are mostly development players, guys that were injured in college that will grow to be starters and down the road. But definitely those those names you mentioned, those guys are all candidates to be the top rookies on offense and defense for New England. And now let's talk about now my breakout players of the year for the Patriots. Um, Sony Michelle and Isaiah Wynn, I think they will be uh, breaking out this year. And on defense, both – Dietrich Wise Jr. and Derek Rivers. Yeah, Dietrich Wise definitely on defense. I, I like that a lot. I think it. I think it'll be him. Uh, and on offense, the only the only issue Michelle has to worry about is New England always has a, de- a crowded running back backfield uh, depth. But if he can beat that out and he gets most of the reps, which he should, then yes, he'll he'll be a, a top line running back and lead a formidable rushing attack absolutely and then uh what was you were saying what were you, who were you saying again who your breakout players on the patriots were because i said defensively was dietrich wise jr and Derek rivers i said wise jr and michelle all right so now that being said let's talk about now the patriots 2019 record prediction uh, my wishful thinking record prediction of the patriots is 16 and 0 but realistically, I say fourteen and two. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the twelve and four, thirteen and three range. Um, it's it's not a tough schedule. There's no way New England should lose less than twelve games this year, unless unless they have like the worst luck or some serious injuries. But they'll be fine either way. Oh yeah, you, you can't doubt Belichick. I mean, as long as you got him, and as long as you got Brady, anything's possible. All right, so now let's move on to your Dallas Cowboys. So what grade would you give the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, in terms of offseason or a draft? Draft. I'd give us a B plus. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to have a, an amazing draft when you don't have a first-round pick. But then again, our first-round pick is essentially Amari Cooper, so no argument there. <laughs> I, I would say B, B, B plus. And now let's talk about now uh, the the game to highlight on the Cowboys 2019 schedule. I look forward to seeing when my guys play your guys week 12 and also the uh, battle between Wentz and Prescott week 7. And what I disagree with was the Thanksgiving game on November 28th and you play the Bills? Come on. I mean, why would you play the Bills week 13? I, I didn't want the NFL to put that game on CBS. I wanted the NFL to put the uh, Cowboys-Eagles game on CBS in week 13. That would have been a better Thanksgiving showdown. Uh, you know, I won't complain too much just because we always uh, get that happening around November. We play three games in uh, – the span of like 11 days and we're sandwiched with the bills with going to new England and going to Chicago. So I think it's a little bit of a merciful thing, you know, because if, if we were to play the Patriots, then the Eagles, then the bears and 11, in 11 games, I mean, 11 days, those three tough playoff caliber teams, then that's, that's brutal. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's, it's it, the bills aren't, they're they're on the high rise. They're they're not going to be as bad as they've been in the past. They've got a lot better talent, especially on defense. I think they're going to the Bills are going to have a top five defense in the league this year because uh, they got they got the steal of the draft. If you ask me, Ed Oliver at number nine. But yeah, I I can see for television ratings why it would be thought like that. But at the same time, that's a that's a tough schedule uh, segment we have. So having a matchup like that. You know, it helps out a little. I just didn't want that game on Thanksgiving. I wanted the Eagles to play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving while the Packers would go to Detroit. Yeah, I mean, that would have been an epic matchup. Uh, I would have taken that if some other games would have gotten shuffled around because I I did not want to play the Patriots, Eagles, and the Bears all three weeks in a row. That would be miserable. Yeah, so – now that being said, uh, let's talk about the, our favorite offseason move for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think my favorite offseason move for the Dallas Cowboys was Robert Quinn. Oh, my. That's going to be good. Yeah, we got a guy. And who... also Jason Witten coming out of retirement. <coughs> I didn't think he was that good in the uh, Monday night uh, football booth. I think, I think he just wanted to get back out there and play. He does. He's, he, he still loves the game. Plus, he notices that we actually have a decent team. And, you know, uh, this probably was one of the best Cowboy teams we've had in a while. And there's a chance that we could make some noise come uh, January. <coughs> um, 
yeah, Robert Quinn was a really damn good move as well. You know, getting him for only a sixth round pick, the guy could still give you anywhere from six to 10 sacks. It might even be better because, you know, you have him on one side and then Demarcus Lawrence on the other. It's going to be hard. And, Rico, and then Rico gathers the tight end. I think he'll be a good help too. Despite he coming out of retirement, you know. If Rico, Rico gathers the former basketball player. If Rico gathers can uh, get his act together, maybe. But at the same time, he's had some issues uh, staying healthy and learning how to play football. Um, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, but now there's less pressure, I guess. But I'm honestly going to say, aside from Quinn, my favorite move is the uh, Randall Cobb signing because with Cole Beasley leaving, we need Dak loves having a safety valve in the slot, and that's what Beasley was the last couple of years for Dak. And Rand- Randall Cobb is a solid slot receiver to have that can bail you out of some uh, tough situations. Absolutely. So with that being said, let's talk about the dumbest offseason move is obviously losing Cole Beasley to the Buffalo Bills. And also – my question for you is, is an extension coming for Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper? Yeah, losing Beasley was bad, but we didn't want to pay him. We, we gave him an offer, but the Bills gave him a way higher offer. And we just we, we couldn't afford that because we have Dak, Zeke, and Cooper's contracts coming up. And Dak is getting real close. We gave him an offer. He His agents returned a counter offer, so now it's not just grinding it out. I, I expect to see Dak signing a contract before training camp starts. That's that's probably the first one that's going to get done, and then it'll be Cooper and Zeke. I mean, we're, we're making a lot better progress with Zeke than we are with Cooper right now. Um, we're already talking with Zeke. and you know. What about Dak? Will he get an extension done? Yeah, yeah, before training camp, most likely. And speaking of Ezekiel Elliott, the NFL's looking into that incident when he got handcuffed in a Las Vegas uh, EDC event. I don't think... I don't think it's going to be a suspension for Ezekiel Elliott. It pro- I don't think it should. I mean, at worst, I would say it's, it'll be a fine or something just because it, it. if you watch the video, it's not like Zeke legit tackled the guy. It was just a, a little a, a little shoulder bump or whatever, and the guy fell down. I mean, I, I think it's just a matter of handling it professionally, and if, if a fine comes, so be it. But I, I do not think Zeke should get – I've seen NFL players not get suspended for doing worse. It's it's just no. What was worse was remember the St. Patrick's Day thing, and then he uh, he went underneath the girl's shirt. Yeah, uh, I know he got that was drama right there because he was suspended and then he was cleared to play, suspended again. My gosh. Yeah, I know it's a young guy at a parade uh, doing something stupid with a girl. I mean, it's it's not like any of us ever did anything like that when we were his age. <laughs> I, I think uh, no. We- we don't do anything like that. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, it, Zeke just needs to realize he's still young. He's all he's as young as like most of us are, us fans, us younger fans. But he's got a spotlight on him, so he it's he can't do things the way most of us would do. He's he's got to be more careful because there's just eyes on him all the, all the time. I think uh, I think uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I don't think I, – I think he's going to extend him, but I don't see him getting suspended. Neither do I. I it would be dumb if he did because that's just – No, because of what happened. It, the NF, I don't know why the NFL is looking into this situation. Well, it could be one of two things. Either A, they want to make sure that they prevent this from happening, or B, 
they're, they have nothing else going on right now, so they they just want to take up some of their free time. Who knows? Because it's it's he didn't he didn't hit the guy on purpose. He didn't physically beat him up. No, he, he, he didn't. Him he, and then he accidentally fell. No, he just leaned toward he leaned towards the guy, and because Zeke's a big, strong dude, the guy just fell over. And I don't. And then he got handcuffed. Yeah, when when things happen fast, you assume the worst, and. Who knows? Maybe something was said that that maybe led to him getting handcuffed because with the video, you don't really hear any audio. You only see what happened. Yeah, I I think he needs to get his life together, but I I like him. I think he's a great player when his mind and brain is right. But I do expect Ezekiel Elliott to be a big part of this Cowboys offense come September. I mean, he has to. I mean, as, as good as Dak's been getting, improving, and, you know, Amari Cooper getting chemistry with Dak, Zeke is what makes the offense go. Yeah, absolutely. You have this Cowboys offense is great and even super with Ezekiel Elliott. And for him to do something like that, I I thought comparing situations from the uh, com- from the uh, from the St. Patrick's Day parade thing until the Las Vegas EDC thing, I didn't think the Las Vegas thing wasn't really that dramatic. No, it was just TMZ and other people making it out that way, saying Zeke's knocking over security guards. They over they over embellished it. TMZ could be sometimes stupid. They can. I mean, obviously, when they released stuff like the Ray Rice video many years ago, that kind of opened some light to things. But for the most part, they're they're they over exaggerate. I think you expect Zeke Elliott to be ready for Week One against the Giants. He should be. I mean, people said he has been he, practicing with the team in OTAs. Oh yeah, he's been practicing, and you know, people, people have been saying, you know, he put on weight, he got fat, and then he stepped on a scale, and they he, it read like he was two twenty, and he was like, no, nah, it's just muscle. <laughs> so, but he he runs fast still. He does. Fast. He's he's a, he's a little he's a, he's a little uh, tank, but not as like big as Maurice Jones, Drew, or Ray Rice. He's he's more leaned out. Absolutely. And then let's talk about our favorite draft picks for the uh, Cowboys. I like the Tristan Hill pick. Great, uh, great addition to that defense. And then <laughs> Connor McGurvin, I think, will be a good addition to that offensive line. Yeah, I, I like the Hill pick a lot because, you know, last year against the Rams in the playoffs, uh, our, our, our starting defensive tackle injured his shoulder and wasn't the same. And, like, our interior was exposed because they just got, they were tired down and worn down because the Rams were just able to run up the middle and getting a player like Hill, who's powerful and quick, that'll help us out. McGovern, uh, great interior depth along the O-line. It helps us with a lot of things. Uh, He had a really high draft grade on him. He just fell a little, which was perfect for us because we're good at finding decent offensive linemen everywhere in the draft. And I'm going to add another pick there. I, I like the Tony Pollard pick a lot. Because Tony Pollard, I think, will, will, will do a good job splitting, getting some carries from it, Ezekiel Elliott at times. It helps rest Zeke a little, plus it adds another dynamic to the offense because Pollard can line up at receiver. Absolutely. So, with that being said, um, with that being said, let's talk about our rookies of the year for the Cowboys. So, I think it's going to be for offense. I'm going with two players, Pollard and McGurvin, and on defense, Tristan Hill. Yeah, I mean, most of the other picks that the Dallas had, those guys are going to be special team guys or backups. So those those three make the most sense. Hill will definitely probably get plenty of playing time in the D-line rotation. McGovern, 
he might he he might they might move him around, bring him in when we do Dallas does the jumbo sets, or if we have an injury, which has happened in the past with some of our linemen, he'll be able to come in and fill in right away. And Pollard's the only real offensive candidate. We didn't really have a heavy offensive draft, just him and then Mike Weber late in the late rounds. So Pollard will probably have the best chance of making the biggest impact as a rookie on offense. And then let's talk about my on my breakout players on the Cowboys this year. On offense, I'm going Dak Prescott. I think he's going to hit his ceiling this year. And on defense, I'm going to go with Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. Watch out for that duo on defense. Even though last year, I'll tell you, Cowboys fans did not agree with the Leighton Vander Esch pick, but look what he did last year. Yeah, he was a second-team All-Pro. Uh, I was with many of those Cowboy fans when we drafted him, and they booed and they left the, the draft, so – it was really nice showing that it paid dividends. And for me, breakout offensive defense. On offense, I'm going to go with Michael Gallup, the number two receiver. He started hitting his stride late in the year last year. And against the Rams in the playoffs, he had eight catches for like 114, 120 yards. So he, he showed promise. Uh, just needs to get more chemistry with Dak. And then on defense, I'm going to say for breakout player, honestly – um, our starting safety Xavier Woods because no one he's the one guy that no one's really talking about but I think he was a steal for Dallas a few years ago in the draft every everyone else is complimenting our front our uh, our D line our linebackers a few players in the secondary but Xavier Woods I think is going to take a big step forward oh I mean the reason why I said Leighton Vanderesh and Jalen Smith as my breakout players is because like. I mean, especially Smith. When he's healthy, he can be a force on that defense. And I'm going to highlight another guy that I think can be a great impact player on this defense when his mind is right is Randy Gregory. Why is he doing all these off-the-field issues again? I think he's a great defensive end, but but can he get his mind right and not take drugs? He's shown progress. He's, he's shown progress in the past, but – He's got a lot of issues from his childhood and from his youth, and he's battling a lot of demons, unfortunately. And sometimes, um, you know, you could do as much as you can, but if you if you if you don't fight him off completely, you'll have relapses. So, I I'm hoping it like you know, football football aside, that Gregory gets his mind right because he is a he is a, an exceptional young guy. I've seen him in interviews talking and working out in the field, you know, putting all he has into it. I, I hope for his sake that uh, he overcomes all the, the issues and demons that he has because, you know, it's it's sad seeing a guy that every time there's progress, it just gets flushed down the toilet again. Oh, absolutely. So let's talk about um, I think who I think is going to be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. Obviously, I told you that Joey Bosa is the favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year. Don't sleep on – don't be shocked about Demarcus Lawrence. He got a new contract, and I think uh, I think Demarcus Lawrence is going to live up to that contract. Yeah, it was it was really that big that Dallas got it done because he wasn't going to get his uh, shoulder surgery to repair his uh, his shoulder until the contract was done. And the the estimated uh, time of recovery would have been is like at least five to six is like four to six months. So Dallas getting it done when they did, he he went and got his surgery and they anticipate him being ready by the, at the for the, he might miss a lot of training camp but they said he should be ready for the first week of uh action against the giants and you know when he's hot he's 
he's hot. He'll he'll get you twelve to sixteen sacks a season. Absolutely. So with that being said, let's predict the AFC and NFC East standings. So here we go. First place, the New England Patriots, of course. Second place, the New York Jets. The third place team, the Buffalo Bills. And the last place team, the Miami Dolphins. Well, you won't get any argument with the first place and last place team. The Patriots obviously still are the class of that division. Uh, The Dolphins are in definite rebuild mode and have so many holes, lack of depth, star power. So they're obviously going to be last. The uh, two middle teams, uh, second and third, Jets and Bills, I can honestly see them switching it around most of the year. It'll be really close, I think, for second and third between those two. I I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills or the Jets were were second or third. Uh, But for now, I'll I'll go with the the Jets being two and the Bills three, but it'll be very close between those two for second place in that division. All right, so now let's go with – the NFC standing. So I expect I expect two playoff teams to be in there again for a second year in a row. Yeah, both Dallas and Philly are very good teams, very strong teams. I I'll tell you who's going to win the division and who's going to get the wild card right now. Who will be the first and second place team? So the first place team will win the division, and the second place team will be the wild card team. And I think the first place team in the NFC East will go fourth place. And we'll go in the four seed in the NFC football standings. And the five seed will play that play, whoever's the division one. So you're thinking that uh, the, the Cowboys and Eagles are going to play each other three times this upcoming year? that Eagles and Cowboys do battle, you know? Yeah, a lot of people are predicting that. They're saying Philly's going to win the division and Dallas will get the wild card. 